Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. <laughs> please don't. Uh, no point say that, please. <laughs> Hey, hello, leavers, believers, and LGBTers plus. You have arrived at a very special episode of Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya, and it's Pride Month on Leaving Hillsong. So before we go any further, before you start writing to me uh, with, hey, pride, well, pride cometh before the fall which, yeah, obviously it does in the Northern Hemisphere where most of you are, please save your keystrokes and my eyelashes from having to work overtime. I'm not interested in your translation of what you think the Bible says about gays or whatever. I just don't want to know it. You want to know what we're about here. I remember when I started this page and... I started the Facebook page and all these people turned up going like, what are you about and what are you preaching? And it's like, oh, well, we're just against exploitation and abuse and silence. My day used to be silence equals death. So I can guarantee that most of the listeners and all of the guests have heard these arguments time and time again. And that's not what we're going to be doing this month. So just a little like warning if you don't like it we're gonna have a lot of great content in July and uh, you're welcome to join us back then and that's like not about me refusing to be wrong or open-minded or anything like that I've been at this a very long time and I've heard the same stories time and time again and yeah silence can equal death We're about saving lives from the effects of rejection and shame and humiliation and isolation. Actually really excited about the range of guests that have agreed to come on the show during the month and share their experiences with you. Wow, there's some stories out there and there's some really, really good endings, hopeful endings, so stick around. 
there's a little bit of Hillsong news. You've got Brian and Bobby in Rome with Casey and Wendy Treat. So they do figure into the longer term plan and, you know, they're happy to be getting back on their feet again with those guys. So, hmm, the rest is certainly going to be interesting. Norway has pulled out all nine churches from the Hillsong Network. What happens next remains to be seen. Grace is currently recovering from the flu or some kind of illness. So thoughts and prayers with her. She's been replaced with Matt Drapper, who we're going to meet today. There are some tough topics discussed in this, so take your time, get back to it when you're comfortable. Look after yourself first, as always. And I think you're also going to have a lot of fun with this. He comes from such an interesting background and he's just so much fun. So let's jump into a kind of empathy. Hey, Draps. Hello, Tanya. Hello, how are you? Oh, God, I'm really good, thank you. Finally, finally, finally. Thank you for joining us all the way from, where are you? Right I'm in Reno in the UK, and that is somewhere near Manchester, where the football is from. Yeah, sort of like mid midway between somewhere between Wales and Scotland, in the middle of England is. Okay, but so like it's it's like where it's twenty degrees, and you think it's a heat wave, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's every every day, we try to go through all the seasons in a week <laughs> if we can. So we have freezing oh. cold rain on a Monday, sunshine on a Tuesday some autumny bluster blusteriness on a Wednesday and then nice spring cool showers on a Thursday and then back to sunshine again for the weekend and here we are on bank holiday and it's actually quite nice that's so exciting and celebrating the queen and we're going to be celebrating some queens I suppose aren't we oh dear (laughs) yes it is pride month and I'm really excited thank you so much for saying yes to the leading hillsong dress and yeah agreeing to help me help us help leaving hillsong navigate through some of the yeah the different stuff we're going to be looking at and the people we'll be talking to during the month do you want to tell people a little bit how you came to stumble upon the hillsong stuff like i yeah, so should leave it up to you to... I mean, how long have we been friends? Quite a while. I was... Uh, is it only a year? Surely surely more. At least two. Well. I think it is two years. Yeah, I had just left a very, very toxic church of my own and was writing up my experiences at a church that was fairly sort of Hillsong-esque. And I was doing some research around Hillsong and around the experiences of LGBTQI people within those kinds of churches and must have stumbled upon your fabulous book, um, the original research on evangelical churches and the treatment of people. And I was absolutely delighted to find another book in the same genre of sort of half biography and half explaining the bad theology behind evangelical churches and also explaining just the kind of abuse that goes on within them. So it was absolutely fascinating to find it. So we must have then connected on Twitter or Instagram or somewhere like that. And, you know, the rest is history, besties, best friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm thinking today, like, we've just developed that really classic kind of 
relationship where, you know, you indulge me and I indulge you and, yeah, it's all kind of not realistic. But it's, you know, it's it's fantastic and everybody gets a smile, I suppose. I mean, you had, I, I find so much of your story just so fascinating, fascinating as you grew up in, you, I mean, you grew up in a really, really kind of conservative, mm-hmm. um, fundamentalist as it gets environment, really, didn't you? And I, <laughs> 10 siblings? Really? Yes. Uh, well, yes, I'm one of 11 children. We had this, ext- what I describe as an extremist Christian childhood. And it was it was very sort of Duggar-esque. It was very quiverful. Okay. A lot of people might understand all those, what, you know, who what's, those Why quiverful? Tell us quiverful. Where's that from? Quiverful is kind of, um, I don't know if it's a specific organisation or it's just a sort of a general collective of people who are doing the whole homeschooling thing, who are using that Bible verse that talks about having a quiver full of arrows. You know, your children are like a quiver full of arrows. Um, And so their whole idea is that God opens and closes the womb and they don't have, you know, they don't have any kind of protection or family planning so they just go straight in and have as many children as possible so my mom ended up having 11 children she had several very dangerous pregnancies within that but she was absolutely determined that god would open and close the womb and dad was determined that we wouldn't go to school that we'd be homeschooled Mm. and um, we all we sort of started off fairly sensible and then you know like you know fairly like borderline normal and then we ended up moving out to sort of farmhouses my dad lost his job so he became more and more isolated he started following more and more of the american christianities they got connected with accelerated christian education which is the home education side yeah they connected with above ruby which is the quiverful side so they just kind of got more and more extreme and what was the education like because We've talked about it a bit before, and you know, you you read far more vastly than I do. You you're always in libraries and museums and exhibitions and things. So, I mean, you were homeschooled right the way through. Yeah, me and my sister, and and then later on the other nine children. We were all homeschooled fully from ABCs all the way through. And so when we learned our ABCs, each of the letters came with a character, um, like um, say. A for antelope and it was discussed about A for antelope and she uh, rush, rushes around too much and doesn't have enough time for God uh, and so brings various calamities in her life. So it's that kind of thing. So from our very ABCs, like each letter had a biblical principle linked yeah. to it. So okay. as well as learning your ABCs, you also learned your Abrahams and Benjamins and Caleb's. So okay. we, uh, so the whole of the education system was fully uh fully doused in godliness so at the end of every other page of our learning we had to write like memorize bible verses things like that so really like there was no difference between doing a page of maths and doing a page of bible that was how sort of ingrained the whole thing was within it that was the accelerated christian education and so within that you know, we also learned, you know, their sex education basically was non-existent. We learned about chickens and eggs and how the male chicken fertilizes the female. And that was about it when it came to sex education. Well, I mean, just your grammar is exceptional, though. How did that happen? 
Um, I was one of the lucky ones with homeschooling because it just suited me. So we, our homeschooling was a page of reading and then a page of questions. And then at the end of a booklet of sort of say a couple of weeks worth of that, you have some tests. And for me, for some reason, that just suited me immensely because I just read and ingest and I'm able to like puke all that information back out again. For most of the rest of the family, there's there's dyslexia issues and, you know, not really having proper teachers that are able to teach them and they have struggled to, although they interact well with the outside world and they're able to, to live and love and live um, and laugh, but we, you know, there's a, a massive education issue. I was just, I was just lucky because I could read and so I just read and read and read and read and read. Okay. I mean, do you think that made a big um, difference? Yeah. It made a difference for me because I was able to, you know, even though we grew up in this very isolated farmhouse, we had a library that would pop along to the top of the road once every two weeks. So we'd go to the mobile library, take out the books. I read tons of Star Trek books, which are all full of very diverse characters. And I was obsessed with the Muppets. So I was like able to kind of feel this kind of connection to people who were different from what I was. So I I would have been, otherwise I think I would have been too isolated to just around the extremist christians to perhaps ever realize you know there's a different kind of world out there so and i just somehow despite everything was born with a kind of empathy and a kind of compassion that just meant that i was able to develop a link with the outside world even without really going out into it too much okay now your parents didn't stop you from reading those books they were okay with that they didn't censor anything or I think my parents just, they didn't, couldn't really keep up perhaps with everything that I was reading. I mean, originally we had all the Christian books. We had the Stanley Robinsons and we had like the Alexis Secret Mission and all the sort of the ones published by the actual education, the Christian education groups and things like that. But eventually I outgrew those books and we had all the famous fives and all the kids books and stuff like that, but nothing to do with witchcraft. Harry Potter was obviously um, banned and okay, things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, we actually left the church because the pastor referenced Harry Potter in, a, in one of his sermons. And so we, we actually got Good. up and walked out of the sermon midway Good. through. <laughs> As you do. Why would you not? Yeah. I mean, I probably would these days, but um, that's beside the point. All, all <laughs> um, 13 no, of you, um, or anyway, whatever. Okay, um, right, Yeah. Yeah, so we were all 13 of us lined up on a pew. Starts the minister starts no. talking about Harry Potter. Up gets my father, we're leaving. Up, we all traipse. It's embarrassing, <laughs> it's humiliating, but there we go. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, we always got in trouble because we didn't go to the Sunday school. We always was expected to sit quietly in church, which we did, but it made all the other families very uncomfortable because they sent their children quite rightly to Sunday wow. school to learn things that are suitable for their age, you know, for their age and, uh, and understanding. Meanwhile, we're sat in church learning about Lot's wife and Sodom and Gomorrah and so on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, and it always comes back to the old. Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? So what were, since we're on that topic, what were the messages that you got about non-heterosexuality then? Well, we didn't really see any non-heterosexuality. It wasn't really presented as there's straight and there's gay or anything like that, really. But it was just one of those things that you kind of just somehow absorbed from, more from how people, you know, said that it was wrong than from knowing that it was right, if that makes sense. So you never really saw a good example. You only ever heard bad things. So within our within our homeschooling, we were taught only about STDs in relation to any kind of sex outside of straight marriage. Right. Um, And the AIDS epidemic 
was linked to the actions of gay people within our education. And I remember my dad had this book on the side in his house which he was reading um, and it was something like about the Nazis actually having been gay like a lot of the top Nazis were really gay so that's why they started the war so it had a big picture of a swastika on the front of the book and it was called the pink swastika that's right <laughs> and I god knows what's in it I don't even I need to have I, one day I must get it and read it but Obviously, as we know, the um, you know the Holocaust targeted not not only uh, different races but different sexualities and different types yeah. of, of being. Yeah. So somebody had twisted that storyline into you know gays are evil and are Nazis. It's just absurd to even imagine. Yeah, like you know they're very sort of neat those. <laughs> no, because I'm. Um, like, one of the things I, I wonder is when you decide to homeschool all those children, like what kind of a future is envisioned for them? Like what are they likely to become? I'm not going to be doctors and lawyers. I mean, what are they or are they? I, oh, yes. I think they're intended to absolutely become doctors and lawyers and politicians. Certainly within the quiverful, uh, especially in America, the idea is that you train these people up, train your children up to take over the government. Oh. So it's not just to become like, sorry, but that we've only ever seen that sort of 17 kids and counting thing where they just don't want to get married and have more children. I, that's not the end goal, is that? Well, for women, absolutely, that's <laughs> the end goal. <laughs> but for for the boys, the idea is, yes, the idea is absolutely to, yes. to try to take on the government. You know, the idea is that there's an oncoming apocalyptic war between, you know, the worldly Europeans and the Christians. And uh, and we were taught that you absolutely are expected to join that war. And, you know, my dad described the family as bringing up an army. But ironically, we've pretty much all turned into... Um, atheist and now and probably would be on the other side of the army so it's ironic in oh, a way okay no well out of the 11 i mean how many are faith-filled believers i mean it's not it's not my place to say publicly what they what they think or don't think unfortunately well, i mean, you know but i would say time to go through them all still, not many of them are still bible bashing full-on Christians you know certainly some of them have become full-on pagans so you know it's it's interesting it's an interesting dynamic to see where we went and what where we took our understanding of the universe and and you still have to understand the universe is magical in some way so a lot of people who leave evangelicalism you know go straight towards kind of uh, witchcraft or wicca or go straight towards kind of paganism and just understanding the universe in, you know, still in a magical way or, you know, or towards different religions and things like that. Or when people leave, they, you know, they stay in the Christian faith, you know, which it's it's your tradition. Like, I find it really hard to leave that element of it being my tradition. So at Christmas, yeah. I want to be in church. At Easter, I want to be in church. But it's hard to be there, you know, but there's patterns. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To Christianity that make the world just a bit more interesting. You know, I know that that's true within atheism as well. It's true within, you know, any way of understanding the world. You know, everybody finds their own magic and their own beauty in the world, but it's really hard when that gets like fully removed from you and then you have to rebuild it in some way. You know, at what point did you end up breaking away from all of that? Like, was there a, a moment or a, a what happened for you as a young man? Look, I was lucky again because I was gay. So I had something that was okay. inbuilt within me, which went against the teaching that I was receiving. And, you know, discovering that is a slow process, you know, like it's, and, and you know, and, and people understand their sexuality very differently. But for me, there was something that was just completely, that just solidly said, I, I don't want to have, you know, a relationship with a woman. I don't, can't picture myself in a family. I don't want to be, in that kind of a relationship. And I didn't really understand what that meant particularly, but I also, you know, realized I was having crushes on guys, you know, crushes on okay. friends at, at church or um, celebrities. I mean, Owen Wilson back in the day, obviously as my screensaver. Owen Wilson. Um, Owen Wilson. I mean, come on. I'm allowed, look, I didn't have a lot of choices. <laughs> Something <laughs> about Owen Wilson and the piece and the calm and a white t-shirt he was wearing and you know and then oh, there was that this was the decider wow okay I, sorry i continue please i yeah. look i'm sorry it was Aaron wilson i'm sorry to Aaron wilson i mean he's gotta well. be the what yeah. the wow queen is the right jennifer way. aniston of like okay fine wonderful continue yeah <laughs> there's gotta be someone there's gotta be yeah. your first celebrity crush and it's embarrassing but there it is I think it was from Armageddon as well. It's still, oh, it's awful. Why? I can't imagine. But I mean, or Wilson. I hope he gets to Look, find that out one day. Crush. For a lot of people, it's Robin from Batman. From Bat what? So you know, it, Is it? it wasn't Robin from Batman. Robin, Robin from Batman. Oh yes, oh yes, of course. Yeah, Robin. Yeah, what? from the um, from the original Batman movies. Oh well, that's a lot of people's sexual awakening. Not. Not the Batman himself. Maybe Poison Ivy for other people. Well, no, Batman's man. They're probably more of a daddy figure, perhaps. Whereas Robert was more of a sort of a a muscular twink, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. Who knew? I mean, that (laughs) and and the Muppets as a way out is fantastic. I actually quite love that story that you got. Well, this was the thing. Uh, The Christianity came crashing into this innate part of my identity whether that's you know whether that's born or whether whatever it is we we need need to have that discussion but it was something that that made me question at least one element of the religion and so that kind of meant that you know if I'd been if I'd been straight it's very much a chance that I would have just got got married and had children and been trapped in the same systems like quite quickly but because I wasn't I didn't get, I didn't end up, you know, in that early marriage and so on. So, you know, I was stuck in this place where I was still carrying all the trappings of Christianity and extremism, but I couldn't live out the, the dream. So it just gave okay. me that position to escape, which was, was lucky. It was lucky. 
good 10 years later when I fully, fully came out properly when I was about 25, then the family's reaction was just so sort of, in, my mum said, oh, well, if you can bring a boy home for Christmas, then surely your brother can bring home like a dog as his partner. Things like that. So, oh. yeah, there was all of that element where <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, the separation from the family. I mean, so you talk about it in terms of an escape. What happened? It took me a very, 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 very long time to escape. <laughs> that's why that's what happened, really. Because I spent such a long time thinking, yes, um, I might be gay myself, but I'm not going to do anything about it because that would be wrong. Jesus loves me, but Jesus doesn't want me to be gay. God is going to send us all to hell, but we're going to rescue as many people on the way as we can. Like, that's love. And so, yeah, so it took me it's just the most extraordinary length of time. Um, I developed the most amazing non-Christian friendships. Um, I went to university, you know, and I could see from the world around me that people were living these, you know, very ordinary, not extreme sinful lives, just very ordinary people with ordinary lives. And obviously the whole thing about being in a culty kind of Christian world is that you're told that without Jesus, you'd be stealing, you'd be murdering, you'd be abusing everyone you meet, which is what they do in the church. But, you know, there's basically all the time they're pointing to the people outside and saying, if not for Jesus, I would have stolen all of my shopping from Sainsbury's. I hate <laughs> Jesus. Like, so you kind of be going through life thinking, like, oh God, everybody's a murderer apart from me because I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and then you meet normal people who aren't murderers and you're like ah okay that's so disappointing isn't it it's like honestly oh. yes i mean i was told that everyone was having the, all these massive sexual orgies and you know it's, it's only a few people where the orgies climb is definitely not roman times but i thought that everybody was so deeply deeply unhappy and um, mm. that's what we were told you would just be so miserable and and like you said, ordinary lives. They just weren't weighted for the unhappiness. Yeah, people were just people were just living. And mind, if anything, less weighted than we were. And we were saying to people constantly, like, well, Jesus will break off your chains. Let's just put these chains on you first, <laughs> and then we'll break them off. <laughs> That's just how it goes. That sounds like very painful times. Yeah. You're talking about... Yeah, the most, the the most extraordinary... The most painful, painful element was just this idea that God can do things like miracles, like healing, like, you know, changing people, say, from gay to straight, something like that. Um, that God can do these things and he's choosing not to. And you must pray and have faith and believe until he does. And that, for me, was the, the most painful thing because it's like, what am I not doing to not get the miracle? And, and I think okay. people, you know, a lot of people... Where do you learn about the healing must go through. Uh, that's a good question. I think it was just, it's just in it, that, that era of Christianity, which was sort of like late 90s, early 2000s, that era okay. of Christian teaching in all of the, all the churches, pretty much. We didn't go to a specific branch. We went to Baptists and uh, Methodists and we went to Church of England and we went to all sorts of independent churches. And they all just had this general 
this general vibe at that time that being gay was wrong and that, that there was change was possible and that God was a God of miracle worker and all of this stuff. So like no one really specifically told me it. And, and we're also when, you know, the internet was around then. So I was able to look up, like, I think I'm gay, but I'm a Christian. What should I do? And there was only two, it was literally only two branches of thought back then. And the first branch was do whatever you want, leave Christianity, become a massive, you know, whore. Um, and the other option was like, stay and, you know, either like just go into a, a, a straight relationship and hope it works or stay and pray for change or stay single and just don't do anything. And those are the only two branches of now. Now there's endless branches. So now, you know, there's people who understand that, you know, they understand being gay is not wrong, you know, from a, the point of view of the theological point of view. There's people who understand, you know, that there might be translation issues. There's other people who say it's fine to be gay in church, but, you know, you should remain celibate. And that's what they choose to do. But it's their choice now. And there's other people who say, you know, you leave the church. And there's other people who say you can be in a different religion. You know, and now also, like, you know, they're allowing gay marriage in some churches. So some churches, like recently, the Methodists in the UK have voted to, to allow gay marriage. So there's different options now, whereas the options when I was younger were literally only, like, leave Christianity entirely or stay uh-huh. and suffer. Uh-huh. And how, I mean, how did you, how did you make the choice? Like, how did you arrive at that point where you? Yeah. So, the, I mean, the truth is that I was at a point where I would have either, basically either died or come out because, you know, I'd oh. not told a single soul uh, for 10 years about my struggles and about my suffering, if you know. So um, I was pray I was praying every night that God would, uh, you know, that I just wouldn't wake up in the morning. Oh, oh, and you know, I have to tell you, I I hear that just too often, just so often. It seems to be that's the choice eventually for people, and I'm so glad you woke up time and time again. Mm. What, what did you do? How did you how did you do it? <laughs> Somehow I just, back then, you know, back then I had this connection to Jesus that really helped me. So even though I felt really simple and I, I was like, you know, all, you know, having all these lustful thoughts and so on, I still felt like Jesus was really close to me and really like my best friend. Okay. Um, and I would, you know, and when I would pray that I'd either die in the night or wake up, whatever, you know, I still felt like I had Jesus like with me. And that even if God was like wrathful or so on, uh, you know, Jesus was like on my side. And that just really helped me at that time. And then, but eventually it got to a point where I said, right, I have to be at least honest with my friends because I was lying to everyone. And this was the other thing. I was like big fat lying all the time. And like, okay. even if I wasn't directly lying to people, I was, you know, just like implying that may, or maybe I would have a crush on someone or maybe, you know, and like implying that I wasn't gay and having to act a little bit more straighter perhaps and things like that, which is not easy for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's hard. I don't really know how I did that, but the, I was lucky because people thought I was weird because of my background. So I was able to play it off as like, "Oh, I'm just waiting for the right Christian woman," because like, yeah. you know. So, so yeah, I could pass it off. But anyway, eventually I was like, "Right, the line has to stop. I have to come out." And I sent an email to my parents, and on the same day, I told some of my friends. And a few weeks later, I kind of came out more openly to the people around me. Just at that time, I wasn't planning to have a relationship necessarily, just to be honest. And 
Your parents, you were saying that went extraordinarily well before. How did they take the email? <laughs> well, I mean, it went okay to begin with because they're very, they're very, um, they just assume that everyone is suffering in life like they are. So my mom was like, oh, well, you know, I'm really envious of what other people have, but I don't come out as an envier. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> my dad was like you know you wouldn't come out as a murderer so yeah. <laughs> okay so they were kind of okay in a way like I was still able to go home and then but eventually it got okay. to the point where they said to me you know you can't be gay around our under 18 year old children because you are going to uh, persuade them I suppose to to, to be the same so it's infectious is it it's extremely infectious apparently but only to the under 18s. Okay. Well, I guess if you're over 18, you can make the choice for yourself. But the under 18s, yeah, I was told you can't you can't see your brothers if you're going to be gay around them. I don't know what they what I don't know how they define would have defined that at the time. Because I wasn't in a relationship. And, and even if it was, like, what what does that even mean? <laughs> wow. So but anyway, eventually the family thing all just collapsed. And that was when. I decided, well, if I'm not going to have a relationship, but I am going to be out as a gay person, I'm going to devote my entire life, like a nun almost, to Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, I can have the community of a a church. So I found this um, church in Sheffield, which was like a, a kind of a more of a modern charismatic church. It was Church of England. It was Baptist. It was independent. They were like merged into one church. And it was kind of wannabe mega church. All of the Hillsong music, all the Bethel music, all the drums, all the lights, all of the no smoke machines, but you know, not far off. And so I went out of sort of extremist, sort of wannabe Amish type, Dugger type Christianity. And I went into this sort of mega church mentality, you know, money focused. And what was that like? Did that seem extremely. It was very a fresh, gorgeous, fresh stream of life. It was just love because all my life was just God is suffering, suffering is life. And this okay. church was like, God is love and love is life. And I was like, love. Oh, I just loved it. I used to lie down um, mm-hmm. in the aisles between the seats in the shadow of the cross. They had a big wooden cross on the front stage. I'd lie in, lie in the aisle on the carpet and just let God love on me, as they say, and just absorb that. Just, oh, it was just so refreshing. It was just so life-giving. And they were all like, lay down your burdens, you know, just just accept the you love. literally lay down. Okay. Mm. Mm. Oh, I take things very literally. Like, there's a lot of, a lot in my, like, there's a lot of autism in my family, and, you know, we take things very literally. And so and I think in some ways that's why, my parents, I don't, they've never been diagnosed, but I think they took some of the extremist Christian stuff just far more literally than it was ever meant to be taken. And then we did the same, me and the other kids then took what our parents taught us far more literally than even they perhaps. And I mean, you're not being, you're not being facetious there. Like it's, there are a lot of people on the autism spectrum within the, you know, fundamentalist evangelical community. Mm. That's so interesting, layer upon generation. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
me, yeah, this was, I mean, until it later on turned into an absolute nightmare. At, when I first went in, it was like, yeah, other young people like my age who were Christians who were struggling who had tattoos. Imagine Christians with tattoos. Wow. I know, long hair, you know, all the business. Uh, you know, some of them had been having sex before they, you know, and now they were Christians. And oh, oh God, there's so many interesting people, interesting stories. And oh, it's wonderful. Obviously, it turned into a complete nightmare, but we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> yeah, and also this church, I went there open. So I went there and I said, to the, man- I said to the management of the church, I am, I'm out as a gay person. I don't really know what that means yet. I don't really know where it's going to lead me yet. But, you know, I'm either in or out. And at that point, if they'd said to me, well, you're not welcome here, I would have left Christianity, packed up my bags and gone. I'd written it down mm-hmm. in my diary. I was like, last chance saloon. And then, um, yeah, but they were like, no, that's fine. Like, you'd be really welcome here. We're going on a journey with that ourselves. It's a journey okay. we're going to People lie. People lie a lot in church. We don't realise that. Oh. That's pretty much as far as we can get without levelling up to the next kind of trauma level. So please join us for part two where, yeah, the nightmare kind of starts and we talk about gay conversion therapy. And how Draps came out the other side and ended up writing his book, Bringing Me Back to Me. It's a really great story. Uh, It's rough, but there is a fantastic ending. So join us both. It'll be out sooner rather than later. Stay tuned. Keep leaving Hillsong and we'll talk then. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.